Okay, we welcome you back to the airwaves of Radio Islam International. It's gone 9.35 this morning. That's 25 minutes left to the hour of 10. Let's take a look at the questions that our listeners have uh, sent in to us. Muftisab, there's a question here. Yeah, the question reads, what is meant by Al-Ala wal-Bara? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So this is uh, with regards to relationships with non-Muslims. And there are three types of relationships, the broadly speaking. One is mu'amalat, which is your dealings. Dealings is business dealings, you know, buying and selling, etc. Then you have muasat, to feel the pain of others and to sympathize with them. And the third level is mu'alat, and this refers to being close bosom buddies, a very close relationship. So the Sharia permits us to deal with non-Muslims. It's permissible to enter into a purchase and sale transaction to hire a car from a non-Muslim. Sharia permits that. In fact, encourages us to sympathize to non-Muslims in their pain and challenges. This is part of good character. Uh, Allah forbids you not with regards to those who fight you for, uh, who fights you not for your faith, nor drives you out of your homes from dealing kindly and justly with them. Allah loves those who are just. So, mu'alat, mu'asat, that is permissible. The third is, in fact, we said what we said is that mu'amalat, uh, that is fine, dealings. Muasa feeling their pain. Now, when we take it to the next level, that is that close bond, bosom buddies. Now, in that case, this you know is where you give your heart to others, and in the process, you may make great compromises. And some permissible for a Muslim to have such a relationship with a non-Muslim that he compromises his iman. Uh, a Muslim, uh, you know, would we would say jealously guides his iman and values his iman and therefore uh, we need to be careful in this regard so the types of wala as the question suggests friendship is prohibited that we adopt bara absolve ourselves from such uh, friendship with disbelievers uh, so al wala wal bara that is what it's all about uh, allah says that and he amongst you that turns to them for friendship is of them. And he amongst you, minkum, from amongst you who turns to the non-Muslims for friendship, then he's from them. So in adopting al-wala wal-bara, we have to be careful not to infringe on our good character and conduct with Muslims. So it's a balancing act between being kind, being compassionate, feeling the pain, but not you know, adopting a friendship and becoming bosom buddies. Jazakallah for that, Muftizab. Let's take a look at another question. After giving many proofs to a fellow Muslim colleague or contemporary of open sins that he happens to be involved in, he does not pay heed. Rather, he persists on them. Should we sever contact? Should we break off? Yes. So, you know, a fasik is one who commits a major sin and invokes the wrath and the anger of Allah. And that is a serious issue. If we show complacency to a fasik, and don't care about the sins that he commits. It's an ex, ex, you know, it's really 
an expression of disregard to Allah. And such an attitude also makes one deserving the wrath and the anger of Allah. And it's for this reason that uh, praising and honoring a fasik is prohibited. In Allah Azza wa Jal, يَغْضَبُ إِذَا مُدِحَ الْفَاسِقِ فِي الْأَرْضِ Allah becomes angry when a fasik is praised on the earth. Uh, and what we should also understand is that it should also be noted that we have the responsibility to correct and reform people around us. كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ أُمَّةٍ أُخْرِجَتْ لِلنَّاسِ we are the best of people that have been taken out. تَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَتَنْعَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ So this is part of what we need to do. And if we do not stop evil and wrong uh, and immorality, then it will become more and more widespread. Eventually, good people will also get caught up in the evil. Mm-hmm. However, correcting and reforming people, that is a huge challenge. And this can only be done with the help of Allah. So... Sharia does not permit us to simply know and stay away from wrong. It's also our responsibility to correct the wrong. And the focus of the Sharia is to end, uh, to change, to reform. And that is what we need to keep in mind. May Allah grant us the understanding. Ameen, Ameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the true understanding. Uh, here's an interesting question, Muftisab. The question reads, Is it prescribed to pray for death on a Monday because Prophet also passed away on the same day? Yes. So, in terms of this particular issue, you know, the, the firstly, death should be alive amongst us. Meaning, that's a, you know a bit of a oxymoron. The death being alive, meaning it should be common amongst us that we talk, that we focus, that we chat about death, that it be on our mind. And Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said. The wise man is the one who takes account of himself and strives for that which is after death. And uh, Imam Bukhari, rahimahullah, in his magnum opus, the Sahih, he has Babul Maut Yawmul Ithnain, the chapter on dying on a Monday. And in that, he has a long narration of Sayyidah Aisha. And uh, she says that I went to Sayyidina Abu Bakr during his fatal illness and asked him uh, that uh, in how many garments was the Prophet Sallallahu shrouded? And she replied uh, uh, that uh, in three uh, pieces of white cloth of cotton and there were neither a shirt nor a turban amongst them. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr asked her on which day did Nabi Sallallahu die? She replied he died on a Monday. And uh, he then asked what is today? And she replied today is Monday. Uh, he added, I hope I shall die sometime between this morning and the evening and tonight. And then he looked at the garment that he was wearing during his illness and it had some stains of saffron. And then he said, wash this garment of mine and add two more garments to enshroud me. And uh, she says that this is worn out. And he said, a living person has more right to wear new clothes than a dead one. Uh, the shroud is only for the body's pus. And... Uh, Subhanallah. Mm. Sayyidina Abu Bakr did not die until it was the night of Tuesday and was buried before the morning. So this is, you know, the tamanna, the desire that he had. Also there is a hadith that Ma'amin Muslimin Yamutu Yawmul Jummah or Laylatul Jummah illa waqa'allah fitnatul qabr. No person dies on Friday, the night of Friday, except that Allah protects him from the trials of the grave. So there's virtue both ways. 
Okay, Jazakallah so much for that Muftzab. A very interesting question and the answer is equally just as interesting and beautiful. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Now the next question is a bit of a lengthy question, but let's go through it. Uh, the question reads that if a wife len- lends a large amount of money to her husband and uh, he's still owing her the mahar, a year passes and she asks for it and he says, how can you as a wife demand this? Then a heated argument rises and due to his anger in hers, she angrily says, don't give me. But she doesn't actually mean it. Then the husband takes that advantage of that statement and says, now never ask me or else. He threatens her. So in this case, does the husband owe the wife or is the debt cancelled? Yeah, so, you know, the context of the discussion is clear. The wife did not, did not mean to absolve her husband from the debt in the dowry. Mm. Sharia is emphasized on paying one's debt timelessly. There are severe warnings. Hal alayhi min ad-dayn. When Nabi Salaam stood up to perform the janazah salah, and he asked the question, and only when they said, when they said yes, then they said, Fasalli alayhi, then you perform the salah. Hal alayhi ad-dayn. Sallu al-sahibukum. So that is, you know, the warning that we learn about this. Nafsul mu'mini mu'allaqatun bidaini hatta yaqdiya anhu. The believer's soul is suspended by his debt until it's settled for him. Uh, also, yaghfirullah lil-shaheed. Kulla shayin illa dain. Allah forgives every son of the martyr except his debt. So, mahar is the right of the wife and is most deserving of being paid. Uqba uh, ibn Amir radiallahu anhu said, Nabi Sallallahu said, Ahakku shurut antufu biha mastahlaltum bihil khuruj. That from amongst all the conditions uh, that which you have fulfilled, the condition which makes it legal for you to have sexual relations, the marital card like, is the greatest right to be fulfilled. So it's most unfortunate the husband in reference threatens his wife that uh, when she made ihsan uh, by offering him uh, a debt, and now when she requests payment, she, she is abused. The husband, uh, you know, is really out of line in this regard and should mend his ways and come in order. Jazakallah for that, Mufti Sabiyah. It's unfortunately, it is the reality that is out there. Many people in debt and don't want to pay. Some are, some are struggling uh, and they, you know, if they had, they would try and pay, but some just don't care about it and, you know, the abuse that they make other people go through, people are actually demanding their hak and their right and it's not fair that you should be doing that. Uh, Mufti Sabiyah, here's a question. What is firasa? Can you explain that uh, and are there any hadith about this? So the word firasa comes in a hadith. It is a hadith which says, "Ittaqu firasa al-mu'min, fa'inna yanzuru bi nurillah." And then Nabi Sallallahu read the verse, "Inna fi dhalik la ayatil lil mutawassimin." So beware of the believer's intuition, for indeed he sees what Allah's light. And Allah, the Nabi Sallallahu then read the verse, surely. In this, there are signs for those who read the signs. Mutawassimin. So, firasa is basically intuition. Intuition to have a deep feeling or thought of something uh, to come to happen. And what happens if, if what the person said comes true, then it will be classified as firasa. And this type of feeling is inspired by Allah. 
the Vista has some caution not to take the intuition of a believer too lightly. And the quality of firasa comes through Allah's consciousness, it comes through taqwa, and it comes through adherence to the sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alright, um, now here's an, uh, an interesting question and um, you know, it's very beautiful because we hear the Adhan, sometimes we live in certain places where you know certain people might be living in certain places, the Adhan yeah, cannot be heard, uh, they got to play the Adhan etc. But certain people are very fortunate, those that live in Indonesia, you're very very fortunate, you get to hear a multitude of Adhans that take place at the various Salah times. Now here's a question that reads, and you know that's, that, that's uh, one part that we need to understand, the importance of the Adhan, listening to the Adhan, replying to the Adhan, uh, it is very, very impo- important and imperative as Muslims that we give the Adhan its due importance. Now, the question, Mufti Sab, that they're asking is that, are the following statements part of the Dua after the Adhan? Uh, that is part of, that is mentioned or learned by people or read by people to be part of the Dua. They are asking, is this actually part of of the dua after the other. Uh, the exact words are darajat rafi'a are not mentioned in the hadith. They are words uh, having similar meaning uh, to darajat rafi'a in other hadith. For example, in the narration of Ibn Mas'ud, Allahumma a'ti Muhammad al-wasila waj'al fil a'alayna darajah. Allah grant Muhammad al-wasila and make him waj'al fi a'alayn. The most high ones give him a rank there. And the narration of Ibn Abbas, Allahumma salli alayhi wa ballighu darajat al-wasila indak waj'alna fi shafa'atihi yawm al-qiyamah. So a darajat rafiyah has a similar meaning to this, but uh, it's not actually found. And some of these scholars of the past, like Sheikh Yunus, uh, John Puri, rahimahumullah, is the opinion that these words are not part of the hadith and uh, may have been added by Ibn, uh, by, uh, Ibn Sunni, rahimahumullah. Uh, so therefore we advise that you should stick to the, what is proven in the authentic hadith. Also the hadith, the words, the end of the uh, azan is narrated in Bayhaqi Sharif. So that is in a uh, narration, but Darajatul Rafia is not necessarily in those words found. However, the meaning is found in other narrations. Jazakallah for that Mufti Sab, here's another question. Generally, can a pregnant woman uh, get a massage and other related treatments from a non-Muslim midwife? During massage, can she massage the area between the navel and the knees too? So under normal circumstances, it's not permissible for a non-Muslim to look at the a Muslim lady, a non-Muslim lady to look at uh, the Muslim lady's body. All that can be exposed in front of a non-Muslim lady is, uh, you know, what can be exposed in front of a, a mahram. So uh, the ladies, uh, you know, has to cover up in front of a non-Muslim lady. And that is uh, the entire body except the face, the hands and the feet. That is the satr for a Muslim lady in front of a non-Muslim lady. The satr in front of another Muslim lady for a Muslim lady is... Uh, from the navel to the knee. So obviously, this part that the, in the question, the area between uh, the you know between the uh, the, the belly, uh, the womb, and that area, that is obviously part of the area which one has to cover up in front of a lady, has to cover up in front of a non-Muslim lady. 
But in the case where this is a midwife and she's doing some sort of a treatment, then there would be leeway in concession for that. Okay. Um, if a person is in a moving car or in a moving bus and Salah time is nearly ending, is it okay for the person to pray Salah while sitting down? Yes. Uh, so in this case, you know, if a person is in a moving car and the Salah time is about to expire and cannot stand up and perform the Salah facing the Qibla, then he should perform the Salah in any direction. But the Salah, obviously, there's certain requisites. Qibla is a requisite, standing is a requisite. So that hasn't been fulfilled, and therefore the person should repeat the Salah afterwards. Uh, you know, once you reach a destination, once the car is stopped, once you're able to face Qibla, then you should repeat the Salah. Okay, you should repeat the Salah. That is for that particular person. Now, um, here's an interesting question, which is the person is asking, what if drugs are making are making me more spiritual? <laughs> In your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the Fuqah have emphatically declared that the consumption of drugs, recreational drugs, is haram. A sinful act cannot produce an act of virtue. Mm. You know, it, it, if it appears that a sinful act is producing the effect of a virtuous one, then this is a deception. This is a, a, a ploy and a plot of shaitan. And if a Muslim considers an impermissible action to be incorrect, uh, then it is possible that the person will repent. If a Muslim considers an impermissible action to be correct, then he won't repent. And mm -hmm. we are commanded to follow the commands of the Sharia. Obedience does not depend on the you know, feelings that we get as a result of carrying out our actions. If a person prays Salah with Hudu, uh, uh, but does not feel any connection, he does all that is in his ca case, uh, you know, he's doing what is in his capacity. But if, if a person performs salah out to do, but in that he feels a connection with Allah, will, will we say, no, he's doing something good? No, he's not. So the connection with Allah will only be considered real if it's found after meeting the real, the requisites. It's going to be within the framework, and then uh, we can distinguish. And also in the verse of the Quran, sukara. We believe do not go close to salah while you're intoxicated. If one remains intoxicated for the entire period of salah, you will have to perform qada. Uh, if an individual is addicted to drugs, it's necessary for him to seek rehabilitation and to come onto the path of reformation. Okay, Jazakallah for that move to up. Another question. Is the blood of a fish and mosquito impure, Napa? So, the apparent blood of a fish and a mosquito is not impure uh, because that is not really blood. Laysa damusamak bishayin wala yufsidu shayin. Uh, it is not really blood as such, and therefore it doesn't break anything. Uh, with regards to the blood of a mosquito, you know, uh, there's uh, someone asked the question that if a mosquito bites a person, does a wudu break? And if that blood is so much as it's flowing, then it will break the wudu. Uh, they, it reminds me of an incident where someone from Iraq had asked Ibn Abbas, or it may have been said Umar, that what is the ruling with regards to the, the blood of a mosquito? And he replied and said that, where are you from? So he said from Iraq, and he said, you will come here and ask about the blood of a mosquito, but you are the very ones who killed or martyred Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu. So subhanAllah, that's just something that we share with you. So uh, yes, uh, the blood of the mosquito or fish is not impure. 
Okay, Chazakla for that, Mufti Sab. There's more questions that has come through. Let's see how many of them we can go through. Uh, this question that reads, Assalamu alaikum. Until what age do you give a child that does not show any signs of becoming baligh to be considered of age? And when calculating the age, do we work on the Hijri or the Gregorian calendar? So it's 15 years according to the Hijri calendar. So you, you, you know you can just punch in the, the Gregorian calendar date that the person was born and Google will give you the Islamic date and then you work exactly 15 years on that Islamic date. Jazakallah for that. If a person has a home in one town and a weekend home in another town which is 90 kilometers away, do they read Qasr Salah at the weekend home? Yes, that is a home that they just go there occasionally. Uh, so that is, you know, it's not part of where they are living. So then they'll read Qasr there. But if it is that they're living intermittently between the two places, then both can be declared as their home. Okay. Um, please let me know, how can I disperse of interest money to Muslims? Yes, any person who can receive this zakat can also be given uh, interest money. Any poor Muslim can be given the money and non-Muslim. Okay. Um, now, Mufti Sahib was speaking about, uh, okay, let's just see this interest, right? There's another question with regards to interest here. Can I give interest money to my husband's adult daughter who is handicapped? She doesn't have any financial obligations, but she likes clothes and to give away too. Okay, so if she's not a possessor of Nisab, meaning mm. she can accept zakat, then she can also accept this. Okay, Jazakallah for that. Uh, still another. Let's just see if we can go through this question here. Muftisab has been speaking about mental fitness. So they say, How do I help my 13 year old boy to condition him to practice mental fitness? He doesn't like doing anything that requires him to do a lot of thinking. He does schoolwork very quickly and gets frustrated when I talk a lot. Okay, so the first thing, as we indicated, is that you know, for him to build a routine, mm. that is the important thing. Uh, that uh, one needs to do and then also to have a variety of activities uh, so the mental fitness we've given some ideas but the other things that may be of his interest that uh, he may you know enjoy playing board games or doing sudoku puzzles or doing things like that so you need to just sort of tap into it and continue exploring things that would add to mental fitness that are things that would he that he would enjoy try to figure that out and then to build on that Okay, Jazakallah for that, Mufti Sab. We're going to have to leave it there. I think there's still one final ad break that we're going to have to take. Jazakallah so much for your time. The program, once again, was very phenomenal, very beneficial. May Allah subhanahu reward you in abundance, Mufti Sab. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.